Hello, my lovelies. This is May K. Sang, your podcast guesting strategist and mentor, cat lover, and the proud host of the Quiet Rebels podcast. This is the place for experts on the rise who are finally ready to stop playing small and to start showing up as the leader they've always been. And contrary to what you might think, you don't have to be the loudest person in the room in order to be heard. You've always been the type to see things differently, and you've always chosen another pathway if the one laid out in front of you just doesn't align with your way of life. You're not alone in this. So to help you on your journey, I'm bringing conscious conversations to the table with myself and guest experts who will help you with the inner work that needs to be done in order to make a positive impact on the world with what you do. I see you. And now it's time to hear you, my friend. So please welcome to The Quiet Rebellion. Hello, my wonderful quiet rebels. I am really both excited and just like, I don't know, I'm just feeling this down to earth feeling today with our special guest because we've had a couple of money conversations here on The Quiet Rebels podcast, but this one is unlike any other because we're not talking about, you know, money blocks per se, or um, I know that we had Isaiah Goodman on the show before and we talked about, you know, different, um, you know, different scenarios and how to handle certain money situations. But this one, it goes a bit deeper into our long-term plan for our financial future when it comes to our business. So I'm really excited to be joined by Laurie Bodish, who is a virtual certified trust and financial advisor. And we're going to go deep into things like how to consistently live in a place of abundance versus scarcity. So how to kind of jump out of that paycheck to paycheck kind of feeling when it comes to your business. But we're even going to go deeper into kind of creating a will, because I've been thinking about this the other day, how if knock on wood, if something happened, I actually don't have a plan. And I'm not sure if any of you guys have ever thought about that. It's not exactly a pleasant thing to think about, but it is so important. And so in the green room, when Laurie and I were just like mapping out this conversation, you know, she said, you know what, I think it's really important that we do talk about this. And so I'm just like hand over heart here. So Laurie, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. Oh, thank you, Mekai. It's so good to see you and be with you and your audience. Wonderful. So, Laurie, before we get into this conversation, I'd love for everybody to know a bit more about you because we have worked together in several capacities and it's been such a wonderful experience to learn your story in depth. So I know that, you know, you are the founder of Her Wealth Coach. So for the men who listen to this, this stuff still applies to you. But Laurie in particular, she loves working with women. So I would love to know a bit more about your background and how you got here. Certainly. Thank you. Well, I can tell you that um, I've always been one who's been fascinated uh, by New York City. And when I was younger, my parents would regularly take us to the city and I found myself kind of drawn to that place called Wall Street and what really happened there. And I wanted to know more about what happened behind those closed doors. So when college seemed to discourage 
um, my goal or my dream at that point of becoming a teacher, I decided that, well, why not try math or computer science? Uh, you've always been good at some of those things. But as I started to study, I could really start to feel myself yearn for human connection, which led me to find the world of finance. And I started as a wire operator at a brokerage firm at 23 years old. And at that point, I really started to see how the men were able to earn and work on things that I knew were possible that I could do too. But then, of course, I quickly learned as a young woman in a traditionally male industry that you really had to work harder to be taken seriously in your work. Unfortunately, much, much to my dismay, um, I was overlooked, I felt disrespected, and even sometimes emotionally abused in the workplace because I was seen as a woman before mm. I was seen as a capable human being, which is hard for any of us. And of course, this continued pressure of wanting to help and wanting to perform and wanting to really make a difference in the world. Um, I started to take a downward spiral into some alcohol dependence in an attempt to probably mask uh, that pressure that was coming about. So um, it got to a point where my family did intervene and I spent 30 days in a rehab facility. And it was horrible because at that time, my child, my daughter was very young. She was only three years old. Uh, so you know, being able to only see her on the weekends, it really made me adamant that I was never going to fall into those kind of dark, deep places again. Um, I took time to heal myself. But after I did that, I thought I would take another swing at uh, being a teacher. I did some substitute teaching, uh, but from there, finance just always kept calling my name. So what I did is I eased myself back into the world of, of finance through um, getting back into investments, which always were my specialty from the time I was then 25 years old. And I was determined more than ever that I was going to make a change for women entering into this industry. Mm. While my managers and bosses always seem to be open uh, to, to new ideas, trying to jump through a lot of hoops and actually get things done. Uh, never truly, truly happened. So when a friend of mine mentioned uh, Marie Forleo's B-School, my eyes lit up. And I think that really was a point where what it gave me the permission to explore what it would be like to venture into some entrepreneurship. So over the years, my clients had always told me that you know, you're really good at what you do. You know, why I wish you would, you know, take this and, and do more with it. So, of course, today, um, her wealth coach came into play, started it uh, after my 30 years in corporate. It now is a business that exists um, to give women the place the power and the opportunity to really develop financial confidence and to get that power that they were otherwise deprived of, deprived of in the corporate world or even behind closed doors in their own home. 
So I'm so thrilled and happy to say that today I have a thriving business where I'm able to help women take part and have a choice in their financial future so that they can enjoy lifestyle freedom and live life on their own dreams. Mm. So just taking a moment to just take that all in. And I just want to say thank you for your transparency in your story, Laurie, because oh, that rhymes story, Laurie. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in regards to how much the pressure got to you in your career, especially because you were seen as a woman first before a capable human being, you said. And that really resonated. And I think it will resonate with a lot of the women who are listening right now, um, kind of feeling overlooked and underappreciated, um, no matter how capable or smart you were. Um, But I can totally see how your experience collectively has led you to this mission to empower women with their own financial futures. So, um, yeah, thank you, first of all. First and foremost, for sharing that with us. Absolutely. I want, it, I want everyone to know that no one's perfect. We all have a past, and it certainly does not define our future. So thank Absolutely. you. It's taken a long time to be able to share that with people, uh, but I think the more that we talk about some of those things, um, you know, things, addictions, they, they don't discriminate. They're, they don't just happen in the back streets of New York or you know, wherever. They, it's something that exists everywhere. And I think we all need to talk about that more. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to do that. Of course, absolutely. And so I'm curious to hear from you, um, when you made that transition from you know, 30 years in corporate, into your own business how did things change for you with how you manage your finances because um like for me personally I haven't had a corporate background I had like side jobs like side hustle jobs um as I built my business straight out of university but I know not everybody is like that Um, many of the listeners will actually be you know jumping from corporate um you know into their entrepreneurial journey so I'm curious to hear from you what was it like for you to kind of take control of your finances in a way that your job used to handle for you yes uh one of the um main things that that I found with going from corporate to my own business was really uh needing to put structure and systems in place in order to continue my um, my in, my investment strategy, my financial plan going forward, because it's very easy uh, to fall into the trap of being a business owner, being very hyped up and ready to go, but we tend to sometimes lose sight of the fact that we still have to save for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, entrepreneurship sometimes uh, is a feast or famine type yeah. business also where there's there's months that are much better on the bottom line than others uh, so keeping a habit and keeping myself accountable to continually put money into various buckets for 
expenses, the day-to-day expenses for taxes and also for my future or what I refer to as retirement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's and like what you just said about um, how oh, what, what was the phrase you used? It was kind of like that initial excitement of being a business owner. You kind of sometimes you can spend it all in one place. I'm totally raising my hand here because that is what I've done in the past. <laughs> but I've wanted to take you know better control of my future, especially as my parents are start starting to talk about their retirement plan, and they've told me that they started their pensions when they're in their twenties. I'm like. I actually don't have a pension plan. And um, yeah, so I'm just curious to hear a bit more about these systems that you're speaking about, just so that we are being responsible with our finances, so that it doesn't feel like, um, because entrepreneurship can be that feeling of feast or famine, because, you know, our income isn't always predictable. It can be, but not always. So what is your, like, advice to kind of start setting up those systems? Do you have any kind of percentages um, as, like, guidelines, like, you know, X amount for taxes, X amount for savings, that sort of thing? Yes. What I always like to say is um, my ratio is that I like to take – 50% of my money that goes to the expenses, whether it be um, personal expenses, home expenses, uh, put that into one. I say, when I say bucket, what I mean is to start to automate your finances. And I would suggest, if nothing else, start with three. The personal bucket, as I just mentioned, for expenses, your mortgage, your car, um, and always using that and having something there left over for those good old emergencies that might come up. Uh, 30%, I would say, put into another bucket for your taxes. You always want to make sure come in the U.S. it's April 15th. I know uh, we had talked where you are. It's the end of January. Yeah. Always make sure that there's appropriate funds in that bucket so that you're not scrambling and borrowing against the future to pay for something in the past. Mm. And then I truly recommend taking 20% if that's the ideal number in in my mind of putting into some sort of a retirement plan whether it be a pension scheme whether it be in um in Britain and in Europe whether it be into some type of a for solo 401k uh, a Roth IRA, a SEP IRA, if you're a business owner in the U.S., uh, it's truly important to make sure that you're covered there because I don't think that we should rely on any kind of government assistance in the future. I mean, it's good. it'll probably more than likely be there, but I'm an advocate of taking control of your own situation so that you're, you're available. You can make your own decisions when it comes time um, that you want to spend money, whether it be on retirement or, or some other goal. Mm-hmm. As we kind of mentioned in the green room, we talked a little bit also about 
sometimes we think that we're going to rely on our business to be our retirement fund. And many times that that will work out, but just in case something comes up, who would have ever thought we'd be stuck in a pandemic right now? You you (laughs) just don't know what the future holds. So the 50, 30, 20 rule is what I like to follow. Mm. And those are easy figures to remember. So thank you for sharing like what you do personally. And I can just tell from the way you speak about it, this isn't just something that you share with your clients. It's something you actively practice in your own life as well. Yes, absolutely. Love that. And so, (laughs) so today I told you, right, um, in the green room that my partner and I, we've got our first car and it's super exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. It is. And um, so both of us, uh, we both haven't driven that much in the last few years because, um, you know, she's taken public transport. I work from home, so I haven't ever needed a car. But with the pandemic and everything with COVID, um, taking Ubers to and from to get <laughs> to get the groceries isn't the most efficient way <laughs> to be spending our money. So we we took the leap and I got our car today. and. It just dawned on me that if, you know, knock on wood, if something happened to me or to, or to her and just, you know, for just the, for the sake of this conversation, let's just say that if I got into an accident that I couldn't recover from, I realized I didn't have a plan. And when I shared this with you, um, you said like, oh, I think we should talk about this because as much as we don't want to think about something like this happening is a very possible reality and it can come up so unexpectedly. So Laurie, I would love for you to share with us how we can like, best prepare ourselves. Um, you know, if again, knock on wood, something like this happened. First and foremost, everyone, everyone, everyone should have a will. You should have a will because it is the first document that anyone will look for when it comes to um, distributing assets in the event something horrible happens. Uh, Here in the U.S., if someone dies without a will and their minor children are under the age of 18, it most likely will be the courts that will decide who is going to raise their children. Um, I've seen it happen. Fortunately, many times it works out that someone in the family is able to take care of those children. But why not think about that now and save pain and suffering and just heartache for those minor children if goodness forbid, something does happen. Think of the trauma of losing a parent as it is, then to have to be going back and forth and people fighting over who's going to get custody of these kids. So if you do have minor children, please, please, please go and do that. If not today, make it, put it in your calendar to get done before the end of this year. Yeah. 
And uh, I know you spoke about like a, because I thought to myself, hmm, if, so again, if something knock on wood happened to me, what would happen to my business? <laughs> because <laughs> I realized that no one in my family, my partner included, actually has no clue about any of the passwords to my emails to let, you know, my clients and customers know that that I'd obviously no longer be in service, um, you know, access to my Stripe account and things like that. So um, I know you spoke about a special document to have in place now, just in case. So uh, could you tell us a bit more about that? Sure. I have what's called um, a personal document locator. It's the PDL. And what that document consists of is, is just the names of every single account that I have. It has the name of the, the account, the website for the account, and the username and the password. It sounds as though it could be overwhelming to do that because I know that so so many of us are doing everything online and how do we, you know, you're needing to change your passwords, you know, once every 30 days in some cases. So why not take in a month's time, I would challenge you to every time you sign on to an account, write that information down. It'll make it so much less daunting to actually do. And when you are finished, you're going to have a list. And I think you'll be kind of surprised too, at some of the things that you log into that, you know, are just kind of day to day. I mean, even your own, if you have a Facebook account, you can actually, well, have your passwords, et cetera, written down. But on Facebook, they give you the ability to name someone that would be able to access your account in the event mm-hmm. something happened to you. So they would be able to put up a notice or even delete the account. But a lot of many social media companies won't allow someone else to step in and do that if it's not um, in writing somewhere. So at, at least having the password and the ability to be able to get into your bank accounts, your essential utility or insurance accounts and into uh, social media is imperative. If I could just share a quick story with you and when this really hit home and came to be real is when my dad passed away. He had, he was the picture keeper of the family and most of the pictures from 2002 forward were on his his Apple computer. Um, He never told us the username or anyone, even my mom, the password to that account. And to this day, um, there's pictures locked in that computer that we don't have. And it breaks my heart. Don't get me wrong. Our Our family has plenty of pictures that people take here, there, and everywhere. But he was very passionate about how he kept that organized on his computer and was so proud of everything he had done, but never shared the password with anybody. So Mm -hmm. tough lesson to learn, but those are, those are kind of stories that happen every day. So we all should take time to do that with our passwords. Yeah. 
Highly, highly recommend and agree with you. So, personal document locator is so. Is that is that just what it's called? Is there a, a website for that, or is it just something that you create yourself? It's something that that I've created that oh. um, <laughs> that my that my clients use. They use them in their um, the coaching and in the courses that I teach. Mm. Um, so that's something that's available. But it's also important to to note with a personal document locator, I mean, any, and you can create these very easily. Actually, what, what I might, I think what I might do is put a version of one um, uh, that, that people can access after they listen to the podcast. Oh yeah. That'll, that'll give an idea of, of, of what should be in there because the other important part is that if you do, you know, when you, when you do your well, not if you do your well, but yes, when you when. <laughs> have that completed, you know, along with, you need to have a, in the United States, we call them power of attorneys. There's a durable power of attorney that can cover both financial issues, but then there's also one that needs to be created to cover healthcare issues other things that you don't want somebody else to be responsible for if you were in a tragic accident and were sitting in a hospital and you you don't have someone that's designated to say, well, I know that she doesn't want to live like this. So I have this, um, this power of attorney that says we should do X, Y, or Z. So those documents should also be referenced in your personal document locator. Where to find them? Do you keep them in a fireproof safe? Do are they kept with your attorney? Um, are they in your desk drawer? Uh, just you need to have those kind of things included in this personal document locator, so people know where to find them. The last. The, the least advantageous time for someone to have confusion or chaos around documents is when that emergency actually happens. It's a horrible, horrible thing to have family members or friends have to deal with those issues while they're going through the pain of a medical emergency or a death happening. So even though it's something we don't want to talk about, we have to talk about it. Mm. Oh, so, so important. And we've never really ventured down this path before on the podcast, but I'm really glad that we have. So thank you for taking the time to um, share that with us. And so for those listening, um, Laurie would have created a special link for us so head on to the show note links to find out how to access a personal um, document locator to know what to put in your own and uh, she also has another special resource for us but before we do get to that point I'd love to kind of like circle back to the conversation we had at the beginning Um, you mentioned about you know living financially versus in scarcity so you know, sometimes when we are working in our businesses, there are going to be some extremely abundant months and there are going to be some, you know, months where you make no sales. So how do you prepare for that? So you always have something to pay the bills with and to have a 
obviously to pay for the food that goes on your table and um, you know just to kind of make sure that you get by or more than get by on a monthly basis. Yes, that's that's such a good point, and it's it's something that creates peace of mind too. With with an abundance mindset, you're able to live more in the present and really feel more grateful for a lot of the things that that you do have. So on the in those months that you are having a a really good month, pack away a little bit more into your savings account. You, you have to be proactive and thinking ahead that there is a rainy day that is going to come. Uh, it might not happen today or tomorrow, but it's going to happen. We're, we're seeing uh, so many people struggling now with the global pandemic. People are out of work. In some industries, people aren't spending money. We, in the times that are good, we need to be putting away extra money into our savings accounts to have an emergency fund, not only for when the car breaks down, um, have that as a just an everyday expense. It's going to happen. Something's going to happen. So the way to live in that kind of abundance is, is really in the good times, make the tough choices, and it eventually yeah. becomes a habit so that you're not saying to yourself, oh boy, I need to go reach for the credit card to do this. Mm-hmm. So when you reach for the credit card, it according to human nature, it naturally takes us back into a scarcity mindset because, oh my goodness, now I'm going to have to pay this at some point down the road. So keeping those credit card balances paid off, um, can't tell you how important that is. uh, From That's a whole different conversation (laughs) on credit card interest rates versus what you can make in a, a, you know, a a basic conservative investment account. So (laughs) (laughs) Uh, just a quick note on credit cards. I remember from a previous conversation that we've had is so long as you pay more than the minimum payment, then it will go down a lot faster. Absolutely. It certainly will. And when you, when you think about your credit card, think about the fact that the average credit card right now is charging approximately 17% in interest rate, in an interest rate. So think about that. If you carry a $1,000 balance on your credit card account, that's 170 bucks a year that's going to the, the credit card company versus if, if you work ahead and you're able to pay that credit card off in the month that it happens, I mean, there's $170 that of almost free money that you found. So take that and try to try to get it into some kind of a savings, high yield money market fund or investment account. Um, and ha- make your money work for you, not for the credit card company. Okay, I'll get off my spiel on that. <laughs> <laughs> we need to hear that and I'm just thinking of the remaining amount of my on my credit card that I can't wait to pay them off <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right so Laurie this has been a really really much needed conversation so thank you 
for yeah just kind of like opening up the can of worms for the kind of conversations that are kind of probably shoved under the carpet <laughs> a little bit um so could you if we kind of kind of round up like three main takeaways from this conversation what would you like to like what's on the top of your head um to, for us to really take away number one is to take control and make money fun make it a challenge for yourself that is something of pleasure when you are able to save money and you're able to pay off your credit cards and you have an abundance mindset that's number one number two is get your personal document locator and those papers and passwords in order again, will put you in a much calmer mindset and feel more abundance. And number three is out of every paycheck, put money into some sort of retirement account, a tax-deferred retirement account, so that you are in control of your financial future from that standpoint also. Brilliant. Thank you, Laurie. And for those who want to hear more about, um, because you said credit cards, for example, there is a whole different conversation. Um, (laughs) For those who want to have those conversations with you to learn more about you and to potentially work with you, where can they go to connect with you? Well, thank you for asking that. Uh, I my business is, of course, Her Wealth Coach. So I have a website www.herwealthcoach.com. But where I'm most active is I have a Facebook group that is called Wealthy Talk with Laurie Bowditch. And what it is is it's a community of primarily, well, it is a community of women um, <laughs> who uh, who found, a, I've created it as a safe space to be able to talk about and ask questions about finance, because I think that if we started to talk about what we pay on our credit card uh, interest versus, you know, some other just what's the weather conversation, it's going to make a difference in all our lives. So Wealthy Talk for Women with Laurie Bodish on Facebook. Wonderful. So I'll be sure to pop those links in the show notes below. And also, I know in the green room that you have a very special resource for us as well on top of the personal document locator example. So would you like to share a bit more about that? Sure. What I would, what I was going to, um, what will be up there is a video that I just wanted to uh, bring to your listeners as a non-threatening place that you can just click on the video. And I really want people to see what the power of investing in yourself uh, in an, a retirement account for yourself what it can do over time, just to give you some encouragement of uh, the earlier you start, time's on your side. And I think that it's, it can serve as some motivation to help us all get started or uh, become more advanced in what we're doing in our lives for our futures. Okay. And where can they go to get that? 
video. If they go to uh, www.herwealthcoach.com forward slash quiet rebels. Oh yeah. See that guy? That is just for us. So that was, that's pretty amazing. Thank you so much for putting that together and for this conversation. And so Laurie, before we wrap up, I do have two final questions for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. (laughs) Awesome. So number one, what makes you a quiet rebel? I am a quiet rebel because I feel as though for the longest time, um, I was very much of of an introvert when it came to wanting to show my knowledge around what I you know, what one of my natural strengths are, which is teaching people. And I doubt myself. I have doubted myself um, over time, especially when you're somebody who's come out of uh, a situation of addiction and you're trying to reinvent yourself. So I completely feel as though I'm a quiet rebel that I've conquered that. And I'm now out here, I am talking to you today, and I'm telling you about myself and what my hopes and dreams are for helping others to not suffer in silence and to really take take control and be in control of their own lives. So coming out of that, that bubble or that shell, um, makes me a quiet love it thank you laurie and my final question which is one of my favorites to ask in every single chat that we have here on the podcast and so for those of you who are frequent listeners you know what's going to happen next but just in case you don't when you hear this sound that means it is time for a fact of the day. So, Laurie, because you are our guest, <laughs> this is going to be um, to this is what I'm going to ask you. What is one fun story or a weird fact about you that no one else knows on the internet? Fun fact about me is that in my house, I actually I have a room that's called a scrapbook room. I'm an avid scrapbooker. I document uh, life. Again, I mentioned earlier about pictures. So yeah. I am always putting pictures into albums in my, my little special space. That's my getaway for um, just remembering how great. It's actually, a, I should call it my grateful room of remembering how fortunate I am. And oh. uh and that I'm able to, to do that for myself and hopefully for future generations. Oh, that's so wonderful. And so you as well, just like you exude gratitude <laughs> and joy. <laughs> so that's so Thank cool you. that you have like a room dedicated to that. Um, my, my sister, she doesn't have a whole room dedicated to it, but um, I, I saw her scrapbook kind of table and it just, <laughs> it was just, was so amazing to see like what goes into a scrapbook and all the tools and all the different like um uh like you know the washi tapes the 
yeah yeah like lots yes. of washi tape yes <laughs> and uh, colored pens and yes, colored <laughs> papers and yes <laughs> oh gosh I mean like I honestly wouldn't know where to start but that's really wonderful that you have such a sweet hobby um and you have a whole room dedicated to being grateful so yeah I love that it's fun and it's it's therapy yes I can imagine I just picked up crochet Um, at the the time of this recording I've knitted two scarves in my lifetime and I'm on a mission to crochet um (laughs) my my first project is a baby blanket for my for my nephew who was born this year and and it's a lot harder than I thought it would be I'm constantly like like unraveling my my work like it was perfect Lori it was actually perfect (laughs) but but apparently, unlike knitting, where you keep um, your stitches very tight, um, apparently with crochet, it can't be too tight because otherwise you can't get the hook through the thread. Um, <laughs> and so I did it so perfectly, but because it was too tight, I couldn't do anything more than four rows. And I thought, oh, my God, I have to unravel it again for like the 10th time. I'm not even exaggerating. <laughs> oh, but anyway. I bet it's beautiful. Um it will be when I've actually gone past the first row again. You're going to get there. You're get one step at a time, a yes. little step each day. Yeah. And that's so when my nephew Milo sees this, because I will stitch his name into it. I'll be like, sweetheart, it's literally took me hundreds of hours. So it'll be something he cherishes. Yeah, I hope so. Ah, but anyhow, so Laurie, again, I've said it many times, but it bears repeating. Thank you so much for your presence, your energy, and your wisdom for today's very important conversation. I really appreciate and you. Thank, thank you for creating this space for all of us. Very welcome. And so my lovely, there we have it. So everything that we mentioned in today's interview will be popped into the show notes. So be sure to head for that link. And if you haven't done so already, I would so love it if you could subscribe to this podcast because that way you don't miss a single episode and another conscious conversation. And of course, if you feel cool too, I would so appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review because that really helps other quiet ripples find us. Ah, oh my goodness. Okay, another great episode. And so I will be back same place, same time next week for another episode of the Choir Rebels podcast. So until then, my lovely, do take care and bye for now.